Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Gordon. Today, we're going to be talking about those pressure situations. I mean, imagine you're on the mound. It's the bottom of the ninth. You've got two runners on. Uh, your, your team is up by one, uh, two outs, two strikes, and you've got the ball in your hand. Well, not every life situation is going to be that tense, but what if it is? And how do you step up when things get tough? That is going to be the topic today as we delve into the book, Crunch Time, How to Be Your Best When It Matters Most. And we're joined by one of the co-authors of Crunch Time, Judd Hoekstra. Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Thanks, Chad. Very happy to be here. All right. So so this is such an interesting, interesting book. And, and your, your uh, co-author is actually, um, you're more in the consulting uh, field and, and development field, leadership development. And your co-author, Rick Peterson, has actually been out on the mound in those situations as a pitching coach in Major League Baseball. How did the idea for this book come about and and really what is that what do you want to accomplish by people reading this book yeah the idea came because rick actually was interested in writing a book with ken blanchard uh he has read the one minute manager before and rick said a pitching coach is actually the ultimate one minute manager because you have to go out to the mound and in fact with today's rules you have to you have 30 seconds or less to speak to your pitcher before you have to return to the dugout and you need to get that get that pitcher's performance back on track or reaffirm something that they're doing well. And you have to do it all in 30 seconds or less. So Rick wanted to write this book around the one minute pitcher with Ken Blanchard. And as good fortune would have it for me, Ken was busy on a couple other projects at the time. And so Ken, knowing that I had played baseball in college, referred Rick to me and we got talking. And as we got talking, we realized that one of the big differentiators of Rick's skill set as a pitching coach was his ability to handle these pressure moments and help his pitchers do the same and and get them back on track and performing at the highest level. So that's the that's the way the idea got started. And uh, I could just say from my own personal experience that both in athletics as well as business, that there's been more than a few pressure situations that I have not come through in the clutch. And so it was one of those situations where I looked at it as an opportunity to grow myself and be the student and have Rick be my teacher. Uh, and and I, I so appreciate that. And and I don't, you know, we're, we're just a minute or so into the recording. I want our li- audience to know this is not a sports themed. We're not going to be talking about how to improve your, your, uh, you know, your, your work uh, on, on the sporting field. This is truly applicable to um, in the world of business, uh, in your office, in those high stakes meetings, even in some low stakes meetings. This is really about, um, as you, you say early on, reframing what is in front of you and turning it around in a positive way so you can be your very best in your professional setting. Yeah, that's exactly right, Chad. The, you know, 
performance under pressure is a universal problem. It certainly goes well beyond sports into, as you said, work life and and even our personal lives. So the, the premise behind it is that as I interviewed not only Rick and others in baseball, but I interviewed CEOs, I interviewed Navy SEALs, um, I interviewed you know uh, Hollywood Hollywood directors um, as a way of talking to people that were in these high pressure situations on a regular basis. And the good news is that what came out of it is there's a common skill set that you can apply to any pressure situation that these people have used with effectiveness for years. All right, well, let's dig into that. So if, if I, um, you know, no, I'm going to be on a, on a business trip coming up very soon. I've got some high stakes meetings with some clients and I've got to show up and be my very best and I have incomplete information. So you said there's these steps you could take. What can I do to really prepare and, and be ready for those pressure situations? It, yeah, the natural response when we're under pressure is for the, I call it the caveman part of our brain to take over. It's really that reptilian complex that sends us into, you know, fight, flight, or freeze. And our our thoughts are flooded with, you know, usually the negative. It's negative self-talk. And so the idea behind how to perform better under pressure is that you need to, you know, stop that kind of default instinctive reaction that you have to pressure, which is to see pressure as a threat and actually to learn to flip the switch and see it as an opportunity. And the way you do that is through the skill of reframing. And you mentioned that earlier that, you know, we define reframing as the skill of consciously thinking about a situation in a new or different way to change how you interpret the situation, the actions you take and the results you achieve. So thinking about it as just, um, you know, changing your default thought process into a better one and, that takes some conscious thought to do that. So as it comes, as it relates to your upcoming business trip, I would, you know, if you have an example of what thoughts typically go through your head, or if you're willing to, to share that, I can give you some ideas as to, you know, what our advice would be in that scenario. Yeah. You know, I, we like to do that a little bit later on. Maybe I'll give you a more real world example and kind of put you on the spot. But for now, let's kind of kind of walk through the different stages of reframing and what your research found. And so it is necessary uh, to to not go to your basic instinct and it actually be more proactive when it comes to um, that crunch time moment when it's it's necessary. So how do you how do you flip that switch? Yeah, I think the the first step is certainly to pause and recognize when you're having thoughts that aren't helping you under a pressure situation. So, you know, the, the question that I like to ask myself is pretty simple. It's, do I want to think or feel this way? And if the answer is no, uh, then, then it becomes, okay, well, what's a different or better way of thinking? So the first step is kind of hitting that pause button. And then the second step is really challenging what your existing thinking is. So um, I've worked with Gary Ridge as one of the people, the CEO of WD40 that I interviewed. And he said, you know, I ask myself the questions, you know, is my current thinking based on fact, fiction, or the opinion of others? And in more often than not, it's not based on fact. It's actually uh, based on fiction or the opinion of others. And so that's one way to sort of trigger yourself to, toward a new thought. And then, you know, the, once you've sort of paused, recognized that you don't want to think that way and challenged your thinking, then the next step is to actually think some different and better thoughts. And so one of the ways that I kind of snap myself out of the thinking about pressure as a threat is, you know, one of the questions is, what's my opportunity here? Mm. Another one is to say, what would I tell my kids to do in this situation? <laughs> because usually we're pretty rational and calm when we're giving advice to our kids, more often than not, not always, but more often than not, um, yet we don't necessarily take that same advice. Uh, another one, which is interesting, uh, this is actually from one of our colleagues, Madeline Blanchard, who's an executive coach. She said, that her 
her sort of way of reframing is to think about one of her heroes, Winston Churchill, and to say, what would Winston Churchill do in this situation? And we often, you know, come up with some really good thoughts when we think about what our heroes would be doing in the same scenario that we find ourselves in. Great tips. And one of the the, the chapters that really resonated with me that I, I really liked, and and I think it, it reminded me of, of times where I've been in pressure situations and in a previous career, even when I was thinking back to writing papers in grad school, um, you talk about from, you know, reframing from trying harder to trying easier. And I don't know if I got the full grasp of it, but I have found that when I really buckle down and I, and I you know, you know, use the baseball metaphor and try and try to throw it even harder, you know, try to, you know, throw as hard as I can, you're not as accurate. And the same sort of thing when I, when I'm in a pressure situation, when I, I put too much into it, it's not my best effort. So is that the research you're finding as well? That, that sometimes we, we, we press too much and, and, and that gets in our way. Yeah, that's exactly true, Chad. The, the research does show that when you think back on your best performances, and I would encourage the audience to do that. Think back to, to your best performance on any given task that you're working on. And most of the time, your best performance was effortless as you were in the middle of that performance. You weren't thinking, you weren't uh, stressing out, you were actually in the flow of things. And it doesn't mean that you weren't extremely well prepared and that you didn't work hard on the preparation side, but while you were actually performing, it was effortless. And so uh, there's research that shows for example, sprinters that were preparing for the U.S. Olympic trials, they were actually, their, their times were worse than their personal best as they tried harder. And then the coach gave them the advice to, to run the race at 90% effort. And when they did that, their times actually ended up beating their personal best. And this sort of the idea of throttling back just a little, not, not a ton, but just a little to be able to, to operate in a relaxed state as you're performing is that try easier. Yeah. And, and you also talk about like not taking the moment as, as seriously. Again, you're not basically saying don't come in and, and be fully focused on the thing, but you talk about humor and, and, and keeping the moment light to, to bring out your best as well. Absolutely. There's a great story that, that one of my favorites that's at the beginning of the book where Rick Peterson did go out to the mound in the bottom of the ninth inning at Yankee Stadium in the playoffs. And his pitcher, uh, who was the closer trying to finish the game was Jason Isringhausen. He was known as Izzy by his teammates and Rick could see in the dugout that Izzy wasn't right, that he had, he gave up a leadoff double. He gave up a walk and now the winning run was coming to the plate. And Jason Jambi, the first baseman was over talking to Izzy and Rick called timeout and ran out to the mound. And as he liked to do, he put his arm around Izzy and he said he could feel Izzy's whole body just shaking, trembling. And he said, Hey, Izzy, what's up? What's going on? And, as he said, you know, in a quivering voice, you know, Rick, I, I can't even feel my legs right now. And Rick right away, uh, quick witted said, that's okay. Izzy, we don't need you to kick a field goal. <laughs> and right away, Izzy started laughing. Giambi started laughing. Rick was laughing and it just eased the tension. And, uh, you know, what it allowed Izzy to do is it allowed him to just kind of refocus on what needed to be done. And then Rick actually proceeded with some instruction and said, Izzy, you know, plain and simple, all you got to do is throw the ball in the catcher's glove here. Yeah. You've done this thousands of times before in your life. You're easily going to do it here. Plain and simple, focus on the glove, hit the glove, and we're going to get out of here and we're going to win the game. And that's exactly what ended up happening. So the the humor was what needed to sort of break the tension. And, you know, it's used in all walks of life as a as a great tool for that. 
And and that is that's a, a point that you make throughout the book that I the, the simplicity of what the research found. And again, it's a simple truth. It's not always easy to put into into practice, as, as Ken Blanchard likes to say, or I might be par- paraphrasing there a little bit. Uh, but um, it really it, it's whatever we're doing. And for a major league baseball pitcher, uh, whatever just whatever that analogy is, hit the glove. You know, wherever the glove is, our goal is just to hit the glove. And if we 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 do that in practice, and we do that normally, and if our, our if we our capacity is is to normally hit the glove in a high pressure situation, all we have to do is just do what we normally do. And that that's the message you're trying to share is that consistency. Yeah, absolutely. There's a there's another great story about not trying to do too much, and it's interesting because. This one particular story was of a, a gentleman named Steve Cohen, who is a magician, and he he performed at the Waldorf Astoria, and he'd performed in front of you know kings and queens and princes and you know billionaires before, and on one particular setting there was um, you know he got asked to perform on Letterman, mm. and he was really excited, and then as the day got closer, he started you know getting really nervous and freaking out a little bit, and he talked to one of my friends who said, you know, whenever, whenever someone gets nervous or tense, I always try to use logic as the kryptonite to that nervousness or tenseness. And he said, you know, Hey, Steve, when the Letterman talent scouts came and watched you at the Waldorf, did you perform your absolute best show you've ever performed? And he said, no, you know, it was good, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't perfect in my routine. And he said, you know, did they, did they say, you know, gosh, this guy was good and we're going to put, we want to put him on Letterman and we bet that if we put him on Letterman in front of millions and millions of people watching, he's going to actually perform better than he ever has before. Did they say that? And he said, of course not. You know, he said, so all you got to do is go out there and perform your regular routine show that you do. And that's what they wanted. That's what they wanted millions of people to be able to see. So that particular, you know, Hey, you don't need to be better than you already are type of advice and reminding people that, you know, you, in fact, you're not going to be better than you already are. The best you can expect is, you know, what you've what you've done in your preparation. And that's good enough. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more and there's a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization, go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. And they have a special offer right now. Send an email to podcast at KenBlanchard.com with leader chat in the subject line. Now through the end of summer of 2018, one grand prize winner chosen randomly will receive a free one-on-one one call with Ken Blanchard. Five others will receive a signed copy of Ken's latest book, Servant Leadership in Action. So many great stories that you captured. You had mentioned early on about all the different people or the different professions that you had talked to. Um, your co-author Rick Peterson obviously has a lot of great stories from you know the inside uh, inside baseball. What's one of the stories that uh, that when you think back about the research and even uh, one of the chapters of the book? What's the what's one of the stories that just really sticks with you either? for the humor in the moment or for the impactfulness of it? Yeah, one of the ones that really sticks with me, and this this goes to the idea of, of over-preparation. So one of the chapters in the book, and this is, it says, you know, you have to reframe from preparation to over-preparation because normal preparation to deal with a pressure situation isn't enough because what ends up happening is you, your, thoughts, your thoughts do get thrown off um, when you're in a pressure situation. You do have your mind get flooded with a whole variety of different things, and you need to be able to sort of operate instinctively based on what your preparation has taught you to do. So one of the stories that I heard um, was about Michael Phelps, of, of course, one of the most decorated swimmers of all time. And 
the, the story goes that his coach used to try to put him in just these really tough, precarious situations in practice so that whenever he got into a meet, the meet was always super easy in contrast. And so in one particular scenario, his coach, Bob, I think it's Bob Bowman, had actually stepped on his goggles uh, before he went to practice. And so when Phelps dove into the pool, water you know, flooded through the broken goggles and he had to close his eyes and essentially swim blindly for the period of time that he was swimming. And you'd say, well, that's that's ludicrous and it's kind of maniacal on the part of his coach. But what ended up happening is in the 2008 Olympics, you know, Phelps dove into the pool for a hundred meter race and his goggles actually did crack water flooded in and he knew the exact stroke count that he needed to be able to go make his flip turn, come back. He set a world record, won the gold medal. And, you know, the rest of us wouldn't have been nearly as prepared in that scenario. And it was just the, the idea that you need this above, above and beyond level of preparation to, be, to deal effectively with pressure. That's a, that's a great, that's a really good, good example. I love that story. Um, so one of the chapters you talk about, and this is one, and, and I don't think we'll get too prescriptive on my upcoming business trip, but I'll just, just go on to say that, you know, let's say I'm going to be in a room where I'm, um, you know, some, some higher level folks normally, you know, different than the ones I have relationships with the ones where they may not uh, give you the, the same sort of verbal feedback. And I, I've just got a lot of doubt. I'm walking in there and I'm not feeling comfortable because I haven't had a chance to pre-build some of these relationships. How do I turn that doubt into confidence? Well, one of the things I would encourage you to do, Chad, is to is to think about other similar meetings you've been in where you've knocked it out of the park and think back to your best performance and you know, visualize that performance, visualize what the room's going to be like so that when you go in there, you can essentially relive that best performance as you go in there. So yes, the there will be some new people in there and there'll be some new circumstances, but you bring the same tried and true skills to your meetings that you've used in the past. And so I encourage you to think back to that sort of best sales meeting you've ever been in and, and replicate that. Okay. Well, that's, that's some good advice. So, and would you do that? Is that something that, that I would do in, in a visualization? Is this a, something like a meditation exercise? Like how, how would you do this, Judd? Yeah, I would actually, you know, my, my advice and things that I've started doing is I've created a personal highlight reel excuse me. And I've recorded sort of my thoughts and feelings after I have a good performance. And so that I can remember enough about it that I can actually go back and, you know, play that I have, you know, everybody's got an iPhone. So whether you're capturing just the audio of that, uh, you know, of yourself reliving that, or whether it's even in some cases, you're fortunate enough that you can have videotape of your best performances and to be able to go back and relive those. So then you string those together. And all of a sudden, you know, before any big performance that you have, you've got, you've got this, you know, highlight reel that you can go back and you enter with lots of confidence as a result of that. I love it. I, this is completely off topic, but it just made me, uh, tickled me a little bit. Cause I was thinking about, uh, the, the TV show office with Dwight Schrute was outside of a sales meeting and jamming out on like some Motley Crue song before he went in to, to psych him up. So kind of the same thing, but, but very different. So very focused on your highlight reel and maybe not the greatest hits of 1980s hair metal. Exactly. Exactly. The Chad Gordon highlight reel is <laughs> what you're looking for. We are talking to Judd Hoekstra, the, one of the co-authors of the book, Crunch Time, How to Be Your Best When It Matters Most. Now, we've been able to talk about, you know, how to how to reframe um, and focus and, and prepare yourself uh, um, to, to go into those meetings and, 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 and step up during those high pressure situations. But let's talk about the inevitability of not um, uh, hitting your mark and, and, you know, laying an egg, so to speak. So what do you do? How do you, to use your terminology, how do you reframe 
failure because failure is going to happen to all of us. We're all going to have a moment where we aren't our best. How do you use that to your advantage? Great question. The, you know, and I'll lean on again, uh, Gary Ridge, the CEO of WD-40. He had, he has just a great perspective and he, in his organization, doesn't even allow the word failure or mistakes to be uttered. He actually says that they're learning moments. And that's exactly the frame of mind that I try to take uh, when I run into an outcome that that didn't go the way I wanted it to go. And, you know, I know I'll probably encounter that same situation in the future. So I, I ask myself the question of what did I learn in this situation and what would I do differently the next time? It, which is, you know, it sounds really easy to do that. But, you know, too often I, I work with organizations on a regular basis that talk about, you know, people scared to make mistakes, people scared to to take chances. And if we if we take the outcome of what do we learn from that scenario and how do we uh, help others avoid it as well as that person that, that uh, you know, got the unintended outcome or the, the bad outcome, you know, how do we make sure that that doesn't happen again based on the learning we have? And, you know, Gary goes so far as to create a contest where he, he asks his employees to share or his tribe members, as he calls them, to share their learning moments. And he, you know, at the end of the year, he takes the person that had the greatest learning moment, which in essence is, you know, the, the greatest failure, uh, but learned something from it and shared it with others. And he sends them on a round the world trip to all the WD-40 offices around the world to share that learning moment. And they get an all expenses paid trip and bring their spouse with them. So he's really created a culture where it's not only okay to make mistakes, it's okay as long as you learn something from it and you're sharing that learning with others. And it's really changed their culture in a fantastic way where they're now able to, you know, be much more innovative and creative than they have in the past as a result of people not being worried about running into, you know, bad outcomes, which as you said, you know, they're inevitable at times. Yeah. And, and, uh, it's, it's about a growth mindset and it's about, uh, always, um, striving for better. And that leads me to one of the last, uh, last few questions I have for you. And it, it's a quote, uh, and, and I love it. It's a quote with an assist from Michael Jordan's, uh, that Rick Peterson shared. So obviously paraphrasing Michael a little bit, but basically talent does not equal performance preparation equals performance. And I, and I think the meaning here, if I get, if I could paraphrase that is to say, you can, you can be prepared and you can show up and you can have talent. But what we're asking for to really step up in crunch time is you actually have to really put more effort into it so you can excel in these situations. Yeah. The, the, on the preparation side, you want to amp up your effort as if you've never done before. And then when it comes to the actual performance itself, it goes back to what you said earlier, it's the try easy and you're able to relax because you know, you've done everything you can and you've prepared, you know, beyond what you normally would. And, and you've, you're going to be the best that you possibly can be in that moment. All right. So we've, we've covered everything, um, um, that I was hoping to, to talk through and, and we've, you know, get, gave a lot of great examples of, of ways that you can show up differently on the job where you can show up differently at different meetings and no matter where you may be taking this information. Judge, what, what's like the one thing that you want um, our listeners today? What do you want them to come away with uh, from your findings and our conversation today? The, the biggest thing is that the tools that are being used by really successful people in high pressure situations, such as, you know, CEOs, actors, actresses, Navy SEALs, uh, professional athletes and the like, that we have access to those tools and we can use the same tools and skills that they use in our everyday pressure situation. So you don't need to be in one of those roles to, to do it. You can uh, be the average everyday person and, and be able to put these into practice. I 
Uh, I love hearing stories of people who say, you know, I was scared to sing a solo in my church choir. Hmm. And I read your book and it gave me ideas about how I could approach the situation. And I did. And wow, what a, you know, what an outcome that I got. And I'm so glad that I did it because if I didn't, I wouldn't have the joy that I did. So those are the, you know, certainly the stories that I love hearing about. And they're from average everyday people reading the book and putting in, putting the ideas into practice. And, and I love that. And all the research in the world around neurotransmitters and, you know, all, all those, all the, all the thoughts around you know, positive imagery and, and positive self-speak and, and visualization, it just hits home exactly what you guys are talking about. It's about the game before the game, making sure you're prepared. Judd Hoekstra, thank you so much. This was a great conversation We're talking about crunch time, how to be your best when it matters most. Judd, if people wanted to look further uh, down the road and, and connect with you uh, in, in a different way and and uh, and find you online, uh, where would you send them? Yeah, there's two places to go. One would be certainly feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. And then the second would be at my website, which is just juddhoekstra.com, J-U-D-D-H-O-E-K-S-T-R-A.com. Judd, thank you so much for uh, being a part of the Blanchard Leader Chat podcast today. It has been a pleasure. Thank you, Judd. Thank you, Chad. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, Chad's interview with, with Judd Hoekstra. Judd's one of my very favorite uh, people. Not only is he a, a great author and thinker, but he's been one of our most uh, uh, valuable contributors to our company for many uh, years. And I think Crunch Time is a really important book for all of us, you know, because what do you do when you're nervous about something or you're worried about something? and and you don't want to take those negative feelings into that. What do you do? He, he talks about reframing, and you need to share that with your people. What an important concept about reframing. I know when I am giving a speech and I'm about ready to go up and I'm a little nervous because maybe the room's not right or these are really important people and I want to knock a home run and all that, I just kind of stop myself, take a deep breath, and I imagine everybody standing up at the end of my talk and giving me a standing ovation. <laughs> and when I do that, it just really makes a whole major difference in, in how I'm feeling about this. And I can go in and, and knock a home run. I remember when I was a basketball player when I was young, uh, you just had to constantly, under pressure, uh, think of yourself. And I, I remember I, I went down one game we were losing uh, when I was playing as freshman at Cornell, and the coach wasn't using me, I thought, the way I should. And I went down and I said to him, you know, Coach, I can't believe you won't put me in this game. They're playing a zone defense, and I could break up that zone in my sleep. You know, I have the hottest hands in the country. <laughs> and he laughed, you know. After that, he started calling me hot hands. But, you know, it was really interesting, you know, because I, I always had the anticipation if somebody gave me the ball 
and, and I had a chance opportunity to shoot, I was going to make it. And uh, so you constantly got to talk to yourself in a positive way in tough times. And I think Judd did a great job of talking about that. What about when you have a, a failure or something's wrong there? Well, I just love Gary Ridge, you know, president of WD-40. And I wrote a book with him on, on uh, you know, uh, working with your people and all. Uh, he's just an amazing guy. But the fact that they don't let anybody in WD-40 talk about mistakes, it's only learning experiences. And I think, boy, let your people hear that. That's so important. Everything is a learning opportunity. And people will cover up mistakes because they think if they get caught, they're going to be punished. But if you set it up as a learning, they'll come in and say, wow, I had a really great learning experience or we had a great learning experience, meaning people goofed up and all. And you say, well, tell me about it. Now we can see what we can do about it. So this is important stuff. Have your people listen to this. Share this. Crunch time can make a difference in organizations. Thanks, Judd. Thanks, Chad. What a great interview. God bless.